Welcome to Meet the Filmmaker at the Apple Store Soho in New York. Please welcome this evening's moderator from Vice, Kim Taylor Bennett. Hi, guys. Um, welcome. So today we, I'm going to be talking to Kevin Bacon about his new thriller, Cop Car, which is a very sparse, tense film that can kind of be described as Coen Brothers meets Stand By Me. And uh, let's take a look at the trailer. How far do you think they've gone? 50 miles. I think we're almost to the woods. Put down. What? The cop car. There's no one in there. No way. <gasps> Try this one. Awesome. What if someone sees us? Well, let's tell them we're cops. Good idea. This is our cop car! This is our cop car! See how fast we can go. I know where to find you. Are you okay? You don't steal a cop car. What do you say we get you home safe? Um, so there we have it. Let's welcome Kevin Bacon to the stage. Hi, everybody. Hi, thank you. Hi there. Hi, Kevin. Nice to see you again. Good to see you, too. How is everything? Everything's good. Good. Thank you. <laughs> How are you? I'm very well, thanks. Good. So, tense. That made me very tense, mm -hmm. that film. <laughs> um, and you kind of shot it in between doing the following, so you kind of didn't really have that much time, so you had to be pretty choosy about your roles. What was it that drew you to this film? Well, you know, I read the script and I thought, it, I, could see the, I could see the whole movie from reading the script. Um, that's, that's not always the case. Sometimes you, you look at it and you go, uh, here's a bunch of lines and I understand the lines, I get the dialogue or I know basically what the story is, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's boy meets girl or whatever. But in this way, the way that they wrote it, the way that John Watts and, and Chris Ford wrote the script, it was like they were um, taking me on the journey and I was picturing it, I was, I 100% understood the character, of my character, I saw what he looked like, I knew what he talked like. I, I, I could picture his clothes and his hair and the whole thing. And when I finished it, after, you know, very 90 or a, an hour of very tense minutes, 
I said, if these guys can put this up on the screen, I think it's going to be a cool movie. Uh, and I looked at a movie that the director had done that had not come out. And I could see that he had a vision, that he was a shooter, that he, he worked great with the actors that were in this movie, actors that I didn't know. They were not, you know, well-known actors. And um, so I signed on, you know, it, 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 it fit great into, this, into the schedule. I mean, I kind of said, you know, listen, if you guys are ready, let's go out and make this thing. And it was 17 days? Yeah, yeah, 17 or 18 days of shooting. Um, my part was maybe six. Uh, the, kids, the kids worked a little bit longer than me. Um, and it was really fun because I'm used to making films. Uh, I've done a lot of independent films in the course of my life that are uh, very, very quick, low budget, big page count, you know, a lot of stuff, a lot of, a lot of things to get done in the course of your day. And I love working in that framework. I mean, I like doing big stuff too, yeah. but um, to get out there and just run and gun and, and uh, you know, uh, go with your instincts and all the people that were there in this very, very small town in Colorado were either family members of the director because <laughs> it was his hometown or close personal friends or people that really kind of believed in him as a filmmaker and who wanted to get in on the ground floor of making something cool. And this, so this is John Watts's second film ever. Yes. And uh, the first one that he did was called Clown, and it was a horror film. And I just wanted to touch on the story of him basically creating the trailer for Clown. And he said, produced by John Watts, uh, but directed by Eli Roth. And then Eli Roth, a few days after he'd gone up online, was called him up and was like, what the hell are you doing using my name? Exactly, um, yeah. And that story alone would make me want to work with a director, because that's some ballsy stuff, hell you know? Hell yeah, hell yeah. It's like a great, great cool idea he just him and his buddy were sitting around and they said what's the worst idea for a horror movie how about a guy who uh the clown for his his kids party ends up being drunk uh or whatever and he has to go out and get a clown suit and take over for the clown and then the party's over and he's a hero, but he can't get the nose off, he can't get the wig off, he can't get the costume off, it's attached to his body. And it, he gets possessed by this horrific, kind of historical, evil kind of clown. And you know, clowns are scary anyway. I don't know if they're, they're scary to you, but they're scary to yeah, me. Yeah, it's gnarly. Yeah. And, uh, and so he makes this trailer for this movie and I don't know where they got the money for that. They probably, you know, shot it for a couple hundred bucks or something. Put it up on YouTube, seven million hits or something. And they called an Eli Roth film, as you said. And Eli Roth calls him up and goes, what's going on? And they're terrified because they think that they're going to get sued with an inch of their life. And um, he says, forget it. Let's make the movie. You know, so, so I, I handed it to Eli, they, and he went out and got the movie for the guys. But that doesn't really matter if the movie was terrible. Yeah. But Clown is awesome. <laughs> okay. I Everybody should watch Clown. Oh, yeah. Then, it's well. not really even available. I mean, I don't really, I don't, it's never been released in the States. It's been out in Italy, and I think maybe it's out in, in, in England now. But I looked at it um, as a way uh, into Cop Car 
and I saw that this was a guy that has a lot of confidence and a lot of um, uh, strength and, 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 and is, is really clear about his vision. Yeah, crazy young too, like early 30s, right? Uh, he's 15. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me these days, know. right? I don't know um, how old he is. I don't know. He's, he, well, let's, let's put it this way. He's way younger than me. Oh, well. Um, so let's get back to Cop Car. Uh, you play this corrupt cop. Tell me how you went about building this character. I know that you know you decided that you wanted a mustache and maybe you were a little bit hunched. When you're trying to build a character, do you kind of like slope around your house trying out these new, you know, different <laughs> kinds of um, personas? And are your kids like, oh, dad's at it again? Yeah. <laughs> no, I do that to a certain extent. I don't, I don't look in the mirror and say lines. Like I, 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 I don't, I've never felt that is really that good a way to inhabit it. I mean, I think that I, I it's a combination of um, trying to build a backstory, especially with a character like this, because in the script there's very little that he says about himself. And when he does, he doesn't speak that much. And when he opens his mouth, he's bullshitting. Everything that comes out of his mouth is a lie. So how do you let an audience into who he might be? It has to be through the way he moves, the way he uh, dresses, his hair, the, 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 the props, the, the, the articles that he picks up, you know, the way that he, I don't know, just does things. You know, that's how you have to let an audience into, into, into this mystery of who this man is. Um, do I try it out? Sure. I mean, if, if there's something that you're thinking of in terms of a walk, you, you're probably better off starting to do it before you actually walk on set, just because it's like practicing anything else. It's like learning your lines or learning a dialect or, or um, yeah, you, you need to practice. And it's also something that you do uh, to make mixtapes for characters. Yeah. So what would be on this sheriff's mixtape? Well, I mean, it's, I, it's probably a little bit of a cliche, but I, I think that he would be listening to outlaw country, you know, what we would call outlaw country. I don't know, Willie and Waylon and the boys, as they say, and uh, um, Christopherson, and then going back probably, you know, George Jones and, and um, Hank, Hank Williams and Dolly Parton. Um, and then, you know, Maybe also Leonard Skinnerd. Um, he probably in the '70s had a moment of Zeppelin and and uh, you know maybe made his way all the way to Iron Maiden stuff like that. You know, it sounds like a mixtape I would actually listen to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good stuff. And then and then I feel like he probably stopped at around 1973 and really hasn't ventured out musically since. too much Yeah, since. okay. Um, you, you do play creepy really well. Um, <laughs> but there's also... All of a sudden you seemed a little nervous when you said that. <laughs> but, uh, no, but there's, a, there's also a humor to him, I think, um, which made me kind of like, oh, well... So obviously you've created a multifaceted character is what I'm basically trying to say. Um, okay. Yeah. What's the question? No, I mean the question, well, actually there's not a question. I okay. would just like to see you in action. So we're going to show a clip okay. of you being creepy comedic. Okay. Okay. Cool.
there anybody there? Hello, Mr. Sheriff. My friend is you can have your car. I'm real sorry. We don't want to get in trouble, but we don't know how to get back. We're real scared. Uh, you're all lucky. Whew. Well, you boys sure had me. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Nothing to worry about now. What's important is that we get you boys home safe. Now, you didn't touch anything, did you? A lot of dangerous equipment in my car. You didn't open the trunk there, did you? No. Okay. That's good. That's good. Now, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go ahead and sit yourself down in the back seat. Don't touch anything. Anybody comes by, you just say, help is on the way. You're doing a real special job guarding the car for the sheriff. Do you understand? Yeah. Okay. All right. Now, you say that you don't know how to get home. Do you know where you are? What street you're on? No. Well, take a look around. You see any street signs? No. All right. Okay. Well, well. The road that you're on, is it a dirt road? No. Good. Good. Now tell me, is it a hilly road? Huh? Is it a hilly road? Or is it a flat road? Flat. Okay. All right. Now, now, now take a look around. You see any houses? Anything at all that might help me find you? I see some windmills. A windmill? That's great. That's great. You know what? I think I know where to find you. What's your name, son? Harrison. And your little partner there, what's his name? Travis. You boys did the right thing calling me. You just sit tight. Help is on the way. And don't you worry. You are not yeah. in any kind of trouble. <laughs> um, there is a bit in the film where you run an awful lot. It's kind of a run for us, run moment. Yeah, right, right, yeah. <laughs> how, uh, how exhausting was doing that? You were running across fields and plains and hills. Well, yeah, it was exhausting. It was, it, was, uh, it was hot and whatever. I mean, I used to run more, uh, so I don't run as much. I wasn't quite in the kind of running shape probably that was good for that scene. But truth is, is that um, what I kind of, my idea about, the physic one of the ideas about the physicality of this man was that he was probably you know the captain of the football team in high school but time has broken his body down and he smokes and he drinks and and he's probably been shot and then more than one bar fight and that he doesn't do a lot of running so there's the running but there's also kind of the struggle to make it there, and yeah. and 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 it's it's nice in the film that you do see him kind of run out of gas at one point. And actually, we shot a thing that John ended up not putting in the movie, where I'm running and running and running, and I stop and just puke, <laughs> <laughs> which I loved. But I don't know. They took I can't it out. believe that didn't make the cut. <laughs> I know I liked it, but they it was too gross or something. I don't, they didn't like it. Yeah. Um, 
but but yeah, I mean, I had I had to I had to run and I had to run in uh, these ridiculous cowboy boots. So look, it's 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 uh, it's it's good work. I'm happy to have the gig. I'm happy to run. <laughs> I mean, I like I like those kinds of challenges. Do you feel like because this movie is so spare? Do you feel like um, were you attracted to it because of that? And do you maybe feel like a lot of times in films, too many of the gaps are filled in. Audiences are too spoon-fed. You know, I, I, I do think that it's nice. I know from myself as an audience, if something, if something, if somebody tells me something in a way that uh, I feel like I'm being led and I know I'm being led and the music swells or there's something that is supposed to make me feel happy or um, sad or scared, but I know it's being, I know they're steering me in that direction. I'm a little bit more resistant of it. I like it when I have to kind of lean in and, be, and, and try to figure some stuff out. So that's not why I, why I chose the movie, but it's something that I do like about it. You know, I like the fact that it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't slam into your face, certainly from the beginning of the film. It starts in a really kind of slow-paced, kind of languid way. These two kids are just kind of walking through the prairie, having this conversation. They're both challenging each other with curse words, you know, and you kind of go, why? What's going on with them? What, what is this? This is a thriller. It's just two kids going, ass, asshole, dick, dickwad. You know, they're just like having this great kind of conversation. But for me, it makes me go, wow, you know, I'm not going to check my email. I'm not going to text. I'm not going to live tweet. I'm going to lean in and try to figure out what's going on in this, in this story. And let's talk about those kids. Uh, their performance was great. Such They had just an amazing natural rapport. You didn't get a lot of screen time with them, but what was it like working with them? Presumably, I mean, these it's like their first roles, right? Yeah. I think they're, I mean, they've done maybe some other little things. I don't know, but, yeah. but uh, fantastic. Great to be um, on set with two extremely energetic uh, bouncing off the walls, boys, you know, at, at, at those kids were exactly at the point in their lives that they needed to be to play this stuff in the movie. And for myself, you know, I, I was only a few years older than them when I first walked onto a movie set. So I've spent my life in this world and it no longer really is a world of wonder to me. It's a world of comfort and a world of home and peace. I walk into a set, I see a trailer, I, I, I see a, a crane, I know who you know, the gaffer is, I can tell who the sound guy, you know what I mean? It's like that, like I know that world. For them it was like a, a, a question of wonder. They were like amazed and kind of wowed to be, to be in this. So that's kind of infectious and great to see and fun to experience. Plus the fact that both of them were really good. You know, my, my theory about child actors is that part of the problem is that a lot of kids come into uh, <clears throat> movies or television by way of commercials and modeling. And commercials and modeling are kind of the polar opposite of what 
acting is. Um, because when you're told to, you know, <laughs> you know, that's like, that's kind of like the opposite of what being an actor is. An actor is like to, to take that camera and put it sort of as far away from your reality as possible and to sit here and be, this is what acting is. It's like, I look at you, you look at me, we have this, and we don't worry about this, this thing that's over here. And commercials are, are a way of you know, creating a connection to something that you really have no connection to. You know what I mean? This is the greatest table ever. You know, it's like, the, so, so when, the ch when children oftentimes enter into the world of acting, they have habits that are sometimes difficult to break them of. And they also, uh, sadly, have parents that consider themselves to be good directors <laughs> and, and good acting teachers. So these two kids came in, and they were just like real, man. John Watts, the director, did a nationwide search and looked for a couple of kids that were just real as they could be. I mean, when you see this movie, they don't have a false fakey. There's nothing of you. You can't see a frame of this where you go, eh, the kid's kind of faking it. Or they had to, like, push him to feel something. You know what I mean? Um, and in fact, he didn't even know there's these two, I mean, you guys haven't seen the movie, but they're, they're two very different sort of boys, uh, very similar in some ways, but, but in some ways very different. When he brought them out to Colorado, he didn't know who was going to play who. So he let them sort of work together for a couple of days, and then he decided it became clear to him that one was uh, Harrison and one was Travis. And who were you most like when you were a child? Um... Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think I was a little bit of a combination of both of them. I think in general, as a child, I was already a malleable presence because I would be one guy with somebody and one guy with somebody else. One guy in one situation and one guy in another situation. A shapeshifter. I was a shapeshifter. Okay. I was. I think that's who I, yeah, that's part of why I became an actor. Earlier today we spoke and you said that uh, when you were younger, no one could tell you anything and you didn't have a mentor. But I was wondering if maybe during the course of your career, some younger actors had maybe asked you for advice or sought some kind of mentorship with you. Yeah, sure. I mean, they have and, and they, you know, sometimes they come up to me and it's, it's, it's difficult for me because I, I want to be, that guy that says that thing, that gives you that, you know. That nugget. That nugget, yeah. you know. A lot of times what I hear is, um, how do I get an agent, you know, things like that. Um, and I completely understand that question because I remember sitting there going, shit, how the fuck do I get an agent? You know, I, I really, really get it. Um, I feel like and in the, in the, in the case of, of, of these two kids, you have to kind of um, learn by example, you know? If you watch people work, like the first time I walked onto a movie set, I watched everything and everybody. And I didn't track somebody down and say, um, hey, how do I become an actor or how do I act or, you know, but I did watch and I did listen 
um, but not for advice, you know. I feel like that moment where somebody takes you aside and says, you know, to quote, uh, nobody will know this reference, but to quote the graduate, plastics, you know, the guy takes Dustin Hoffman and he says, I don't know what to do with me. He's a young, you know, kid trying to shape his career. And this old guy takes him aside in a party and goes, plastics. Um, I never had that moment, you know. Yeah. But um, I, I guess I have listened. And what I basically tell people when I have my go-to response is you have to, if you want to be an actor, you have to want it more than anything. And you have to, it can't be something that you're just kind of trying out until your mom makes you go to college or, or, or trying out because, you know, your friend said you were cute. You know what I mean? It's, it's, you have to really, really, really want it because it's a life that almost, almost always will kick your ass, chew you up, spit you out, and you'll be thinking, what the hell was I thinking about, you know, trying to be an actor? The, the, it's, a, it's a very slim percentage of the people that decide that that's what they want to do, that actually end up making a living at it. So what I tell people when they come up to me and say, can you give me some advice? I say, do anything else. <laughs> Whatever you, you got something else you can do, do it. Get out of here. We don't need you. Don't do it. And if that person, the story that I hope that that person tells is that they can say someday, Kevin Bacon told me to do anything else. Well, fuck him. <laughs> fuck him. I became an actor. And I made it in spite of what he said. That's the kind of skin that you need to have. How'd you get so tough then? Uh... Because, ah, I, yeah, I don't know. I'm not that tough. I mean, it, you know, I, I, I mean, <laughs> what makes you think I'm tough? Well, because you've been in the game a long time. I don't know. And, uh, uh, you know, you've had setbacks and, yeah, no, you know, I've plenty shitty, of setbacks. shitty times when you cried in the street. Yeah, I, I, I think, heard. I think that, I think that, you know, you have to, you, you have to not, you have to learn from your failures, you know. If you, if you, if if there's a street that is the street that you need is the shortest distance between two points, but every time you walk down that street, you get your ass kicked. Then sooner or later, you got to either like learn how to fight back, or you just got to take a different route. Those are kind of like the two sort of options. And that, that's like taking bad experiences and turn the, turning them into positive experiences. And maybe when you take the other route, there's a beautiful girl. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going off now. I don't know. So it's a long metaphor. It's a long for... metaphor, yeah. For, I, I have no idea. I have um, no idea. Well, let's see a little bit more of these two kids and uh, watch the second yeah. clip. <laughs> the oyster gave me a fright. <sighs> what do you say we get you home safe? 
Okay, now you boys answer me now. Did you open up the trunk? Was there somebody inside the trunk? Did you open 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 the trunk? Will you answer me now? Or I will shoot you dead right through this door. Tell me right now. Where is he? Son. I'm the only person out here that you can trust. I'm the only one that can help you. Um, hmm. So, John Watts, the director, uh, subsequent to this film happening, he has been picked up by Marvel who want him to do the Spider-Man reboot. What do you think it was that the Marvel honcho saw in Cop Car that made them think, that's our guy for this huge blockbuster, that'll be his third film ever? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I wasn't surprised when I heard that. I mean, I have to say, if I was uh, a studio and I saw that, if I saw this movie, I, 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 would, I would say, yeah. I, you know, because I, I think it has to do with, first off, on a very, very shoestring budget, he made a movie that feels like a, it feels like a bigger movie, you know? It, it doesn't feel like a little indie art house kind of festival movie to me it feels like a, a, a it feels like a big thriller you know um, cat, uh, performances certainly kids I think the spider-man is a younger guy now so he's like more of like a high school kid so you know there's that kind of ability to get a younger innocence and sensibility coming of age kind of thing um, and he also just has a way of putting the camera certain places. I mean, you know, you look at that scene, if you want to do like an analysis of that, of that scene. You know, he's there, he's, he's, he's on me in the car, and then he's, my eyes shift, and boom, he pops outside wide and sees my head pop above that. And you go, you know what I mean? It's like you can feel, you can feel what that does to an audience. Yeah. Like, I wish I had that kind of an eye, you know, directorially, to be able to say, that's what I want to do. And John, I guarantee you, he knew that. He knew when he wrote the script that he wanted that thing to pop outside and see him for the second. And, then, and he probably knew when he was going to turn around on the little boy. You know, that kind of stuff is, is things that people have been making movies a long time. They have a good eye for seeing what a good eye is. Okay. And just before we turn over to the audience, um, what are you working on next? What's coming out next? 
The only thing that I have to talk about is a movie called Black Mass. I don't have my next job, and that's the only thing that I have in the can, really. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's a movie that I have a very small part in, but I'm very happy to be in. It stars Johnny Depp, Joel Edgerton, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, um, uh, Peter Sarsgaard, uh, uh, Dakota Johnson, there's just like on and on. There's like a really, really big cast. And it's about a gangster, a Boston gangster named Whitey Bulger, who um, made a sort of uh, nefarious deal with the FBI in, uh, in Boston in the 70s, 80s, 90s, and then went on the lam. And uh, Johnny is amazing in it. And it's a great movie um, coming out in September. Watching that trailer actually creeped me out and made me laugh as well. <laughs> it's like the Black Mass. Black one. Mass, yeah. yeah. That's I, I got to tell you. Yeah, it's it's a it's like a. My wife and I just saw it like a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it makes you laugh, but in this kind of like really sort of tense and uncomfortable way. Not unlike Cop Car, in that, in that same sort of way. Um, Scott Cooper, who directed it, is a fantastic director, and I'm very happy to be a part of it. Awesome. Okay, questions? Very nice to meet you, Kevin Bacon. You've been a big inspiration for me, and the following is one of my favorite things. Uh, I have a question. Was the actual liquid courage was ever an inspiration for you, maybe like in your past, like in your life in general? Was, you know, like... Well, oh, I alcohol? Mean, like alcohol, yeah. Was ever inspiration for you? I, 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 don't, I don't think it's ever been an inspiration. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, 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 unlike the character in the following, I'm not an alcoholic, um, but I do drink. I mean, I, but I don't think it's ever been an inspiration. Uh, no, I, I think that, uh, I, there was a, t I once, I once, when I was young and impressionable, there was a scene in a movie um, where I was supposed to be drinking. And um, I said, well, I'm going to try, I'm going to try this because like this is, this is what, you know, this is going to be real. So I'll actually drink while I'm making the movie. And I did that and it was great until take three. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I realized that this scene is gonna take about 10 hours to shoot. So the idea that you're gonna to try to stay drunk for 10 hours, and then that's gonna have any kind of a positive effect on your performance is going to be an absolute disaster. So I, I don't, for me, I don't really believe in uh, performing other than sober, I mean, I you know I think that, that that you know that that's the that's my that's the professional line that I that I have drawn in the sand. Kevin, you've done some amazing uh, and ambiguous villains and heroes. Like for example, you did the retelling of uh, the Invisible Man. So, are there classic heroes and villains that you want to get an opportunity to do a little bit of a retelling? Uh, uh, with that sort of level of ambiguity that you've been able to apply in both the hero case and the villain case? 
You know, there's really, I, I, when I get asked about things that I want to do, I, I, I wish that I had a list or I had a, an agenda of a guy that I wanted to play, a historic character, a character from, you know, uh, um, <clears throat> music or pop culture or, or even like literary character, but I don't really. I, 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 I almost feel like I need to be more proactive in that way to say, you know, um, well, my dream has always been to be blah, 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 but I just, I just don't. I know, I know it when I see it and um, I, 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 take it, I take it when it, when it comes. You know, I, I, I like what you said. The thing that touches me about what you said is that it's, people always go, well, you, you play a lot of bad guys, but they don't often talk about the fact that the good guys that I play are sometimes ambiguous in their goodness. And I think that the, what I find my job is, or the way that the things that I'm drawn to, is if I'm going to play a guy like this who is obviously not what you would call a good guy, um, he is still a human being and still um, at least maybe started out his life with the intention of being good. He's not a sociopath. He's not a... He, he's not a he's not um, psychotic, you know. He's 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 someone who entered into this world hoping that he was going to protect and serve, but he's obviously gone off the rails. On this, in the by the same token, you know, a character like the following, you know, is a hero for sure. Is definitely drawn to doing the right thing. Wants to do the right thing. But he's flawed. He's like deeply flawed. He's made. He's had some major, major fuck ups. You know. He's an alcoholic. He he um, has has done things that are um, morally ambiguous. And that ambiguity is to me what we are all made up of. And if our job as 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 actors is to um, portray other human beings, then we have to embrace that ambiguity. Thank you. Um, thank you for being with us today, first of all. I think it's really interesting what you say about actors and what advice you would give to them. Um, I was wondering if you had given the same advice to your daughter before she got into acting, and <laughs> if so, what she maybe responded with. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good question. Um, yeah, that's exactly kind of what happened. You know, my daughter um, is now an actress. My daughter uh, grew up probably getting the message from my wife and I, either directly or indirectly, that this was not a career that we were really supportive of. Um, she went to, uh, you know, pretty tough school, New York schools, and then to an Ivy League college, and turned around and dropped out and said, I'm, I want to become an actress. Now, at that point, she was a, an adult, and we didn't say, no, that's not happening. And truth be told, I cast her in a movie that I, I directed. Um, but there was a certain part of that for her where she had to say, listen, I know that maybe you don't think this is the best thing for me, but I'm going to do it anyway, and that's going to be my first hurdle. And that's part of toughening yourself up. And I'm happy to say that she got through it. And now, at this point, what's really nice is that all of a sudden, you know, my kids have never really been all that interested in what my wife and I do for a living. 
we've never shown them our movies. They haven't, they've rarely watched our movies. Um, I don't honestly know that either, either one of them have even seen Footloose. Um, my son is a, a musician, which I'm a musician too, but, but they don't, it's, it's not like we, we tried to keep our professional lives and our personal lives and our lives as parents separate from our lives, you know, as, as actors. And what's nice about um, both my daughter and my son's current, you know, career paths is that now we're at a place because we're adults that we can actually discuss it. And I can actually talk to her and say, you know, yeah, you know, listen, what, one thing to keep in mind in auditions or whatever, you know, is this and that. And, and it's really fun. It's, re it's, it's really, we have a really nice kind of engagement on that level now. And it's something that I really appreciate. Hi, um, you're one of the hardest working actors and your wife is also really successful. How do you guys keep your marriage together with such busy schedules and why does it work? Because you guys are really cute together. I give it another like two or three months maybe and then... <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> I um, I, you know, I don't know, it's a good question. I, 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 the only thing I can think of is that we enjoy spending time together. Sometimes people say, well, um, is it terrible having two actors in the, you know, both people in the business being in a marriage? But the truth is, is that, you know, we kind of understand, like, what the upsides and downsides of this life are, you know, and, and, and I don't think that she's someone who feels competitive with me, which is a really, really positive thing, you know, and I don't feel competitive with her. We were like super, super supportive of each other on it from a career standpoint. And other than that, we just like make each other laugh, like to talk about things, um, like to do things together. I, I wish there was a, 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 a magic bullet. I don't, I don't think it's really even so much about um, two actors being able to make it together as it is just two people. Look, marriages just don't, for the most part, work, you know? They don't work for very long, let's face it. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't know the answer. All right, thanks so much for joining Thank you, us, Kevin. Thanks for coming, enjoy the movie.